Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. back to the Swamp 24-7 Podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. It's been about a week since our last show, and there's been quite a bit of news around the Florida football program. Blake, let's start with the recruiting stuff. Florida has had three commitments, I believe, in the last week. Can you fill us in on some of these guys? I guess let's start with uh, the defensive lineman, Andrew Savanea. Am I saying that right? That's a tough one to, yeah. tough one to say. Yeah, at least I think so. Um, you know, he was a guy that uh, is coming in as an edge guy. Um, one of those edge defenders uh, recruited by Patrick Tony, uh, Mike Peterson. Um, you know, a- shortly after the arrival of Tony, whenever he was brought over as part of that initial, you know, coaching staff that came over from ULL, um, Andrew was a guy that you know Florida, you know, Tony um, evaluated. Um, they wanted to get him on campus, which they did this past weekend for an official visit to you know weigh him, see his size. Um, he's a guy that has played some D-line, is more of an edge guy, um, has also played some tight end on his tape. So they really wanted to get a chance to see his frame. I believe he checked in uh, 6'3", 258 pounds. So he's more of an edge guy, um, you know, kind of compact, you know, where his weight is. I mean, he carries the weight pretty well. I mean, you look at him and you think like, man, this guy's really 258, but um, it's kind of, you know, more in his legs. I mean, this guy has like legs like a tree trunk. Yeah. Um, so he'll be a, an edge guy, you know, committed after taking that official visit to Florida, really loved the visit his time there um, time around the coaching staff. So, you know, he's um he's a guy that the Florida staff is actually pretty high on. They think that they've got a bit of a steal, you know, with, with the, the amount of time left until national signing day and a guy that was, you know, left unsigned, uncommitted, um, so they, they really like that addition there with, with what they brought at him, bringing him over from the West Coast. And Blake, that was obviously a spot where uh, early in the offseason this year after, you know, Dan Mullen had been let go and, you know, Billy Napier was trying to get established at Florida, was hiring a staff. Florida had a couple departures. You know, Chris Bogle was a guy that, that left for Michigan State. Um, and then Florida actually convinced a couple of those guys, Dante Zanders and, and Lloyd Summerall, to come back. So edge was obviously a need for Florida. I think another need that became clear after Kamori Gamble decided that he was going to transfer from the program was tight end. Not that Florida, you know, doesn't have a couple bodies there, but it was a spot where they needed to take another one. Who did they add at tight end as far as commitments go? Yeah, you know, three-star Hayden Hansen. Um, he's a guy out of the state of Texas. Um, was a former commit to ULL under Billy Napier. Once that coaching change took place, he backed off that, you know, opened things back up. Um, about, I mean, they, they've been talking to him. William Peekler, Florida's new tight ends coach, has been talking to him even whenever he was, you know, it was announced he was going to Florida, but he was still finishing up the bowl game and the preparations there at Michigan State. Um, so he had been talking to him, you know, since then. 
uh, last Monday, Monday of last week, uh, Napier, Piegler, uh, off-field staffer Ryan O'Hara, they were in on uh, this past Monday for an, for a uh, of last week. I mean, not not this past Monday. Yeah. Um, they were in for an, an in-home visit. Really, kind of, you know, rekindled the flame. You know, obviously being a, a former commit under Napier, um, those connections, knowing how Napier wants to use the tight end. Um, he's a guy that you know is is six six, uh, somewhere in the two fifty pound range, if I remember off the top of my head for his measurements. So he's got something that you know a lot of these other guys on Florida's board or in their class, like a Tony Livingston, don't have, and that's that big frame is more of a powerful blocking type guy, red zone type of guy, someone in, in that area where you can make those contested catches. Um, so coming in there, um, you know, being a guy that was close to Napier, that offer came, you know, it was kind of a cool moment for him when he got the offer on Saturday of his official visit this past weekend. You know, the uh, a part of the schedule on Saturday is you tour the swamp, you see a video presentation, you know, you can take your pictures, walk around the swamp. Um, and then they have dinner in the champions club overlooking the field that Saturday night, but it was a cool moment for him getting the offer. He said that Napier offered him on the 50 yard line on the Gatorhead at, on Ben Hill Griffin stadium. So cool moment for him. Um, those ties to ULL that he had built, you know, he, he trusts a lot of the staff. He was glad that Napier trusted him and his abilities um, to play at a place like Florida. So um, Florida being his best offer, you know, those connections to the staff, you know, that was one that was wrapped up um, a couple hours after he finished up that official visit this past weekend. Yeah. You mentioned seven, a have, you know, being a guy that had a lot of lower body strength. I think, you know, anybody that saw the, uh, the pictures that came off of Hanson's official visit when, he, you know, Napier and all them visited that dude's got some quads, man. He's, he's got yeah, some the, lower body the strength. Swamp 24 seven board. They nicknamed him quadzilla. <laughs> That's great, man. Yeah. So Florida adding another tight end there. Um, I think that you're probably done at that position for now, you know. See, I don't think so. I don't actually no, okay. think so. Uh, they're recruiting Danny Lewis, who's out of Louisiana, out of the new Iberia area, which is where Corey Raymond's from on Florida staff. Uh, William Piegler should be in to see him. Danny Lewis is actually going to take an official visit to Florida this uh, this coming up weekend. Um, he'll be on a, a midweek official visit um, at, at LSU starting today on Wednesday, should be in there into Thursday. I don't know if he leaves Thursday or Friday morning. Um, I do know that he's not expected to arrive at Florida until probably Saturday, if not really late Friday, because he has some basketball obligations on Friday. Um, so Piegler will see him this week. Um, he visited Alabama last week. So that's a guy Florida still kicking the tires on. And then you've got four-star athlete out in California, Arliss Boardingham, um, took an official visit to Florida that first weekend of uh, January on the 14th, whenever they could open up official visits again. And he's another guy that's more of a I hate doing this because it's not a Kyle Pitts type of guy because that's right. a generational talent. Sure. But in that same mold of being hybrid. a guy that can play in the slot, a hybrid type of tight end, um, could be wide receiver, could be a tight end, could be an H-back kind of guy, one of those versatile pieces. So Florida, uh, Florida and o Oregon are the final two visit, uh, final two, excuse me, um, schools for him. Um, he'll be at Oregon this coming weekend. Um, he said that Florida's the school recruiting him the hardest. Uh, Piegler has been out to see him so far this month. Kerry uh, Colbert, who really handles the West Coast for Florida coming from USC was by this past Monday. So Florida's still kicking the tires on some uh, some tight end guys out there. I feel like Danny Lewis, those connections, meaning being in LSU, going to LSU, you know, I, Florida will obviously get a crack to, to host him on a visit. We'll see what happens from there. And again, Raymond having those connections to New Iberia. I mean, there's, there's connections there to Florida. I think the in-state LSU Tigers are going to be tough to beat, but I, I do think Florida has some 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 mojo left in that Arliss Boardingham recruitment because again they're recruiting him the hardest. Um, he'll have a decision if not on signing day uh, shortly after he wraps up that Oregon visit this weekend, but that's so close to signing day. I mean, it could be a couple of days before right. if not signing day. So 
Florida doesn't seem to be done at tight end. That doesn't mean they land everyone on their board, um, but they're, they're not done recruiting the position just because of this addition of Hanson. Okay. And, and that's funny because, uh, you know, I was looking at the, the scholarship chart and you've, you've already got five guys and that's before you add Hanson. So like numbers wise, I'm looking at them like, yeah, hey, they're probably done. But now that you pointed out, you're right. Like they have been still going after some guys. And uh, I think that's going to bleed into another point that I wanted to talk to you about as far as roster turnover, I get the sense that this roster is going to turn over quicker than people think, just based on the numbers that they're recruiting right now. I think that Billy Napier and his staff have a pretty good idea already of how some of these exit interviews after spring with current players are going to go. Um, and so having said that, Blake, let's talk about this third commitment, because this is a guy, or at least, you know, I don't want to say a guy, I don't know anything about Max Brown as far as, you know, being a commitment to Florida, anything as far as his skill set, that's I, I tend to operate more from the roster structure, and you're kind of the recruiting guy. You cover their skill sets, but I think we disagreed a little bit after they took Jack Miller on whether or not they right. should take a second quarterback. Where are you at on that, and how does Max Brown fit in? Well, I think you have to consider the fact that there were rumors of Emory Jones leaving after the bowl game. Obviously, that hasn't happened. He's still in the roster. And I taking personally, I'd, I'd assume he's gone after the spring. I, and that's what I was getting to, you know, he could very well want to finish up his degree and then transfer somewhere to finish that degree at Florida, because I mean, Florida is a great degree. I mean, to have that degree, see what happens in the spring, you know, th th who knows what shakes out, but where I'm at today, I would assume that Emory Jones is more than likely on the move after spring football. Um, that opens up the door to add in another quarterback. I think that's again, just wanting Napier to put his fingerprint um, on that room. I mean, quarterback is such a fickle position as far as, you know, your roster standpoint, because I mean, look at the transfer portal right now, you know, or even guys that have been in and out or have already made their decision. That's that's just such a, a position that has so much turnover. You have all these guys now, you know, even, um, you know, the Caleb Williams, the Josh Darts, or, uh, you know, all those all those kinds of guys that are on the move now, that's just, you know, um, that have been in college football now. So that's just, there's such a turnover there. And, you know, you have a coaching change. You know, are they going to click, you know, some of those guys that are already on Ford's roster, are they going to click in the spring? You know, you, you just don't know what's going on there. And you always want to continue to add a quarterback every cycle. I think that every coaching staff has wanted to do that. And again, you know, Jack Miller from Ohio State was someone he brought in through the transfer portal. But I think it's more about just adding someone with the with the youth, um, you know, having sure. those extra years. Um, someone like Max Brown, who can hurt you through the air, can hurt you with his legs. He's a guy that I think tossed. 41 touchdowns through the air this past season for his high school. And I believe he had another 20 on the ground. So um, you've got a guy that has that, that dual threat mold. Um, someone that Florida has continued to or had started even evaluating, you know, shortly after, uh, after Napier's hire. Um, so, you know, they continued evaluating and brought him on the official visit this past weekend. He was formerly committed to central Michigan um, under Jim McElwain. Um, and, you know, got the offer and it was pretty much done. Once he, he got that offer from Florida and Napier on that Sunday of his official visit, took some time, went back home, backed off that commitment and was committed to Florida the next day. So I think it's more just understanding that that position can have some turnover and it's just a position considering that you need to add someone every year. And, and again, the transfer portal does make things different, but I think it's more just adding someone with the youth and someone that you're going to have in your program a little bit longer. And it's obviously a guy that they've, they've evaluated quite a bit, you know, have some connections to uh, you, you. I'm sure they've been able to talk to Jim McElwain if they want. I don't know that McElwain right. would be, you know, super helpful in that regard. Um, but you know, even if Emory Jones isn't there, you still have five quarterbacks. So I'm thinking there's probably right. going to be some more turnover after the spring. Sure. Could um, be. That's a position I, that does not shock anyone just because, again, like I said, those QBs get on the move. There's only one football. Nobody wants to wait right. their turn. And, uh, you know, that's 
that's just how it is. And I just keep looking at the numbers, and, and the numbers don't quite add up unless there's going to be a lot of uh, sort of attrition after spring football. And, you know, I, I think you can make an argument that's a very good thing. You know, it, it's one of those things that I've always, you kind of know is there as far as, like, coaches do process, guys. I mean, that's, realistically, that's college football in the SEC. That's, if you want to compete, you're going to have to process guys that aren't getting it done on your roster can lead to some awkward situations, but at the end of the day, I think that's probably what's going to happen at Florida. And look, some of these guys that, you know, maybe aren't in the plans for Billy Napier going forward, I think there there can be benefit to, you know, being up front with those guys and saying, hey, you know, here's where we're at. You know, maybe you'd be best off pursuing an opportunity elsewhere. And that can work as well. Blake, I think one of the guys that Florida would not like to lose is linebacker Tyron Hopper. Um, I was actually on the way to, to Charlotte for my bachelor party this weekend on Thursday. So you got stuck. You missed the hokey pokey. You got stuck doing the, the, the hokey pokey one foot in, one foot out. Tyron Hopper goes into the transfer portal on Thursday of last week. About two hours later, within about two hours, his name is 68 out of the minutes portal. to the T. There you go, 68 <laughs> minutes. So I don't know the full story there. I've asked a couple people. I'm still not getting a whole lot of clear answers. But. Tyron Hopper went back into the portal earlier this week. Seems like, Blake, he's going to look at a couple schools. I would think, being that we're already in the spring semester, probably not a decision that he's going to go back on again at this point. Um, There's a couple things I want to talk about here. First and foremost, um, (laughs) I don't even know where to start with this, but I want to address it because I know that a lot of people on message boards, a lot of people on Twitter have talked about it. This is two of Florida's most productive linebackers now that are transferring. I don't know exactly how this narrative got started or if it is, you know, if there's an element of truth to it. I would imagine the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. But a lot of people have wondered if Christian Robinson has been involved here as far as, I don't know, the the narrative online seems to be that maybe he's pushing these guys to the portal. I tend to think that's probably not exactly true. I think, you know, if these guys are asking about transfer and, and, you know, their future, that kind of thing. That's probably more likely. Like the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. But Blake, I went and kind of defended Christian Robinson early on when Diabate entered the transfer portal. And I've kind of, you know, I don't know the truth of that, but the narrative that Christian Robinson would be actively trying to sabotage Florida just doesn't match up what I know of Christian Robinson from my interactions with him, from the people that I've talked to him. I, I know that you know him as well. I'm curious, where do you come out on all that? Right. Like, I don't even know if that's something we should be tackling. Maybe we should talk about this before the podcast. Yeah. I mean, for me, just from, from the conversations I've had with him, he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would sabotage, um, you know, having guys, you know, letting them know, Hey, you know, I'm going here and there, um, you know, you should leave here, come with me. Florida's this, Florida's that. I, I, that doesn't seem like, like something that I, I would understand him to do just from the, like I said, the conversations that I have. And I mean, you know, it's not like we're best friends, you know, it's not like I, you know, I, I know everything about him just, you know, sure. through professional conversations, but that just doesn't really match up with my understanding of him. Um, you know, I think even too, if you look at, you know, Diabate um, entering the transfer portal, he ended up at Utah. It's, you know, he made a decision before Christian Robinson even had a job. So, um, you know, Hopper's in the portal again, he's on a, an official visit currently, I believe at least he was there as of yesterday, last couple of days yeah. as of yesterday to Missouri. Um, so it's not like these guys, you know, uh, sure. Of course, Christian Robinson, you would think once Hopper's in the portal, 
Is he going to recruit him? I don't see why he wouldn't. I mean, right. you had guys like um, Osiris Torrance, Montreal Johnson, all those guys that entered the portal from, from uh, Billy Napier's ULL squad. I mean, he recruited those guys. I mean, if you have relationships with those guys and it's something that you can use to get them, you know, to play for you now and prove your roster. I mean, you take advantage of those connections. Um, so, you know, with Hopper, um, I believe his cousin, is it his cousin that recently yes, his cousin, uh, committed Tyrone or Hopper. enrolled at, um, at Missouri? So there's connections there, but you know, I think it's just one of those deals to where a lot of these players that played under Robinson, or at least were on the defensive side of the ball, you talk to anybody, they really thought of him as a player's coach. They really had a lot of respect for him. Highly liked guy um, in the, in the locker room, in the offices, all those other types of places. So, um, you know, if, if they end up with him, you know, if a hopper, you know, ends up taking, you know, an official visit to Auburn and does end up there. I don't think it's because Christian Robinson is actively trying to sabotage Florida. I think it's more of those connections that he's built a guy that he committed to wanted to play under. Um, I think all those things are a bigger factor to me, but um, you know, even if both of these guys don't end up at Auburn with him, you know, it's still like, I have a hard time seeing that this guy is actively trying to put down Florida to get them to go to his school now. And if they don't even end up there, you know, well, I, I think it goes back to what up. you said. I mean, he's a player's coach. Like everybody on the team love Christian Robinson. Right. And so right. obviously he's got relationship with these linebackers and, and, and talks to them on a daily basis, probably about a lot of things that aren't even football related. And so if these guys do get into a situation where they're considering a transfer for whatever reason, I think it'd be crazy to expect them not to to talk to their position coach, you know, who has some experience in college football and all that. Like, I, I just think, I think the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. I don't think Christian Robinson is like, you know, going to the wall saying you, you have to stay at Florida. Like he's not doing that. I'm sure. Um, but I, I struggle a little bit with the narrative, you know, in the course of about three to four months went from Christian Robinson is our best assistant coach, you know, great recruiter. And look, I've been straightforward with people for about two years two and a half, three years, maybe I think the linebacker technique was terrible. And I've said that. And, and even, you know, when, when Florida fans were talking about, you know, who might be retained from the previous staff, he was a guy that I said, well, I think as a recruiter, he's a guy you at least consider. But I said in no uncertain terms, if you keep him and you're Billy Napier, I for sure would want a quality control guy sitting in his room, making sure that that technique is up to snuff. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not, standing for Christian Robinson or anything. I just think the truth is somewhere in the middle of that narrative. And it rubbed me a little bit the wrong way how quickly it went from, you know, everybody loves Christian Robinson. He's a player's coach to, you know, now we hate him. And like, and I get it. Like that's the internet. But anyway, I wanted to say that from my end, that's kind of where I'm at. I think truth is usually in the middle, but Blake Tyron Hopper being gone. Oh, and the other, the other angle to that is Jay Bateman, Florida's linebackers coach now was at UNC, right? So, mm-hmm. Tyron Hopper's cousin played for him and probably has some feedback for Tyron on whether or not he liked that. And I'm not saying that, you know, that's the reason, but it's another thing, another factor that you can consider of, you know, if Tyron Hop, like Tyron Hopper's decision probably goes beyond Christian Robinson told me I should leave or something like that. That's, I don't know. That's right. all. But like Florida has a major need now. Ventrell Miller's back. But outside of that, I mean, I don't think there's a casual college football fan that's not a Florida fan in the country that could name another Florida linebacker. I mean, you're you're talking about David Reese, who's been injured, you know, pretty much his whole career. Uh, DeWan Black's a guy that Florida fans know, but really hadn't done anything other than special teams. Derek Wingo. Um, So Jeremiah Williams. Yeah, I mean, so you've got some younger guys that maybe have some talent. But, Blake, this is a major need. I don't think this is any secret at this point who Florida's going after. Yeah, absolutely. The five-star linebacker Harold Perkins backed off that commitment uh, to A&M. Um, he had committed to Texas A&M. Uh, I think it was whatever day the Under Armour All-American game was. I think it was January 2nd or 3rd or something like that. But he committed earlier this month that game. 
um, was committed for a couple weeks, um, had been a lean to, to A&M for most of his recruitment. Back on the market now, and that comes after an official visit to Florida, which was that weekend of January 14th. Um, he got out there, was able to hang around the coaching staff. They sold him on being that X-factor type of guy in their defense, um, wanting to play him all around on the linebacker spots, um, playing early, you know, all those types of things that, you know, a five-star linebacker, number one linebacker in the country um, can expect to hear, you know, a guy that is going to step in and make an immediate impact. Um, he'll be at LSU this coming weekend. Um, expected to have that decision on National Signing Day. There's been some rumors of Jackson State being involved in there. I don't oh know. It, it's funny now because, you know, before whenever someone would say Jackson State, you'd be like, yeah, get out right. of here. But after what they did on, on the early signing period, you know, when you hear that, now you kind of raise an eyebrow and you see what's going on there. Um, I would assume A&M is still involved. Obviously, Florida is still pressing really hard. They'll have their uh, in-home visit. Um, this week with him before he heads off to LSU for that official visit. LSU obviously been for another uh, official or excuse me, another in-home as well before he gets to campus there. Um, so it's a pretty tightly contested battle. I think that Perkins is one of those guys that I say wild recruitment and I don't mean it into the sense that, you know, there's going to be twists and turns because there's just not that much time left in this recruitment. There's only a week left until national signing day, but I think it's one of those recruitments where you're going to hear everyone's got a source. You know, I heard this, I heard that, I heard this, I heard that. And I think that's just because it's one of those kids that is so tight right now with where he's at. You know, I think that he's still trying to figure things out. He's from Louisiana. Originally his uncle lives in new Orleans. So he has those ties to the state of Louisiana. He's always liked LSU. Um, but man, I mean, like I said, on the last podcast, we had Florida really had a strong official visit with him. My question was, is that impact they had on him going to be lasting? Right. Certainly seems that way because coming out of the visit, he backs off the A&M commitment. Um, so it definitely seems if you're Florida, you like where you're at because you're still seeing that lasting impression. You're still seeing coaches that went out to see his uncle uh, last week on the recruiting trail to go visit him because, again, he's very involved in the recruitment. You're having them come back this week to visit with Perkins. I was told his uncle will actually be in on that uh, in-home visit with Florida. Um, so it's good to have a decision maker in there talking to those coaches at Florida. He'll have a chance to visit with, you know. Position coaches, Napier hasn't used his, his in-home yet, if, if I'm correct. I haven't heard at least that he's used that. Um, so this is a big in-home visit for Florida this week because you get that final say before signing day and before LSU gets their chance to take a shot. But, um, you know, Florida's certainly in this. This isn't just one of those things where you see a hat on the table and you know it's not going to be Florida being the pick. Um, Florida could absolutely be the pick there. Um, but, I, again, I think it's close. You know, I, I say coin flip in that recruitment. I don't know that it's quite ready to flip that coin because I think he's going to continue to get all the information and visit LSU and see what things, how things shake out there. But Florida's certainly in it a lot. And again, that lasting impression still seems to be, you know, in full effect for him. I mean, you see what Billy Napier did in a short amount of time with Kamari Wilson and Shamar James. I think you have to be pretty positive and uh, certainly sure. they've shown the ability to close so far. Like, yeah, I mean, he had a great visit. He really clicked with a lot of guys. Yeah. And that seems to be, that seems to be something that's happening over and over really at, from my impression, at least. Right. Definitely is. All right, Blake, let's take a quick break. When we come back on the other side, Florida's coaching staff, as far as the on-the-field hires, are now complete. I want to talk about the walk-on program a little bit, and then we'll take a look ahead in recruiting with weekend visits and the remaining priorities ahead of National Signing Day, right after this break. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? 
And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Blake, when we last recorded the podcast, I think the, the coaching staff had unofficially been reported. Jay Bateman and Sean Spencer had been reported in the media but had not been confirmed by Florida. They've both since been confirmed, and I know Sean Spencer's been out on the recruiting trail getting a lot of miles. So... Blake, uh, one of the questions that we always get from fans, especially early on in coaches' tenures, is how do you kind of grade the staff, right? Like, what what is your opinion of how the staff's made out? And I've got to be honest, you know, I, I wrote about this a little bit yesterday on Swamp247.com. As a beat reporter covering the Florida Gators, I think sometimes what fans don't necessarily understand is our head is so down on on focused on Florida and, and the Gators that we don't necessarily have sort of the the big wide network of national sources that maybe, you know, national reporters may have that, uh, you know, recruiting guys that cover regions as instead of, you know, a particular school may have. So for me, it's always been hard to sort of look at a staff on paper and say, oh, this is a great staff or here's where the weaknesses are. Not that you can't do that. Um, but for me, I'm kind of sort of just reading resumes in the same way that fans are. And I always think it's interesting when you get guys that have covered a region or, you know, have national contacts within multiple different programs that begin to chime in on that kind of thing. Blake, 24-7 Sports' national reporter, Brandon Marcello, went through on 24-7 Sports yesterday and graded the coaching staff hires, basically the full assistant coaching staffs for each of the 29 FBS programs that have changed head coaches this offseason. And he ranked Florida staff as an A-plus and the number one staff in the country as far as the new newly hired staffs. So to me, that says a lot. You know, Brandon's a guy that's been around the SEC, has a lot of roots everywhere, talks to a lot of different coaching staff. So he has a pretty good pulse of, you know, sort of what the market sees as this Billy Napier staff and how it's going to go. And you look at the accolades, you know, William Piegler was a guy that was named running backs coach of the year by Football Scoop. Javar Jaluk uh, was another guy that's that's earned that same distinction. We, we all know about Corey Raymond, man. He's been a long, around long enough that we know that's a terrific hire. I'm curious from your end, Blake, now that you've had a couple weekends on campus, you've had you know the chance to see some of these visits play out, hear from recruits. Are there any guys that, that maybe jump out to you as maybe a plus in ways you didn't expect or um, just any early impressions that you have based on what you're hearing from recruits and feedback about these visits, how, how the staff's kind of structured and, and operating at this point? Well, I think as a whole, um, you know, I even had guys that are, you know, 2023 20, guys or guys like a Shamar James who took a second official visit this past weekend since he could do it due to a coaching change. You're able to take a second OV. Right. Um, you've seen guys, 2023 20, guys that visited last weekend, you know, prior commits, guys that had interactions with Dan Mullen and his staff. 
one of the big questions I ask him, how are the differences between the old staff to the new staff? And you just hear more of a family atmosphere, um, more organization. Um, you have more interaction with entire coaches. You know, I had a guy that said that he talked to every single coach there, not just my position coach. That was something that really stood out to him. You're not having um, to where you're leaning on the recruiting guys, which yes, they are involved, but it's not just a, you know, a couple of recruiting guys or recruiting guys showing a guy around campus, taking some pictures and then taking them up to the position coach and head coach for an exit meeting. You're spending a lot of quality time around a lot of coaches, you know? So I think that's one of the biggest things that's different from an official visit overall, because a lot of the things they do are the same thing. Things. You, know, you go to Dave and Buster's on a Friday night, you eat at, Stur- at Spurrier's on a Friday night, you have tours all day on Saturday, seeing academic things, facilities, all that kind of stuff. You go visit the swamp, you take pictures, you know, all those things aren't different. That's that's right. what an official visit does. There's there's no drastic change there, but it's just more of the interaction, I think, is the bigger difference. You're seeing that coaches are putting more emphasis on, you know, being around these guys, hyping them up, you know, even now Florida does these personalized, uh, personalized visit or videos of guys that are on, on campus since that's a new rule that you're allowed to do those things, make personalized uh, videos. I, I, a 2023 guy, five-star AJ Harris was on campus this past Saturday at Florida. And I mean, him on his Instagram live, you've got Katie Turner in the recruiting office, you know, taking an Instagram live of him, hyping him up. You turn around, you see the entire coaching staff behind him hyping up. Those are differences, major differences to me that really make lasting impressions and why a guy like AJ Harris who entered, you know, that Florida visit, not really even mentioning Florida at all to now, you know, seemingly a contender for him going forward. Um, so I think that's one of the bigger differences um, what were some of the other points that you had on there? Sorry. No, I, I think that's there. exactly kind of what, what I was looking for of, because, you know, like I said, for me, it, it usually, I, I'm looking at it from, you know, the, the, how are they coaching their position is a big part of it for me because like when people right. want to know, you and know, that's something we'll see. Right. And that, but that's going to take probably two years for me minimum to right. start to figure that out. But from a recruiting standpoint, you can learn a lot of that very early on. And I think right. when you hear sort of everybody's involved, right. That really is what Billy Napier kind of preached when he came in. And it's funny. I had, go ahead. I think I know that one of the things you asked me was, is a surprise on the staff? You know, obviously everyone knows Corey Raymond is a big time recruiter. He lands a lot of guys. Um, You know, William Piegler, Maybe he didn't do it at the at the national level. I mean, Michigan State, they land some kids, but it's not a Florida, you know, it's not an SEC school like that. But he came in with a tab of being a strong recruiter. Um, Sean Spencer, if you look at his all-time recruiting list, um, you know, he did a lot of a lot of big time guys at Penn State when he was there. Those are guys that are more established names, is I guess is what I'm getting to. So I think one of the biggest surprises to me from as far as seeing you know the staff shake out has been Patrick Tony. And I say that just because coming from ULL, some other smaller schools, I, you know, I mean, you just don't have a an understanding of, you know, is this going to work out? Is he going to be a guy that's, yes, he's a great coach, but an iffy recruiter. And I think that he's spoken highly enough of as a coach, as an X's and O's guy, Um, anyone that has been around him or has talked to him or covered him, you know, you speak highly of him being one of those up and coming, you know, younger type of coaches, but man, I think he's recruited great. And you look at what he did with Kamari Wilson, uh, flipping things there, guys up till two, 3 a.m. playing PlayStation with Shamar James before the early sign. I was going to say, you jumped on some Warzone with him, didn't you? Yeah, I, I wish I did. I'm jealous. I need Shamar to pass the sticks. But um, you see a guy like that that's recruiting at such a high level, even landing, you know, three-star guys, Miguel Mitchell, um, Andrew, don't make me say his last name, from out in Washington. I know you're um, talking about. That was, that was out there, had just landed his uh, commitment this past week. And these are a lot of guys that Tony has either evaluated, um, has recruited personally. So I think that's been one of the biggest surprises to me. Um, and I think it's good to see a, a defensive coordinator because in my time of covering Florida – I've seen some great X's and O's coaches, you know, 
Todd Grantham, it didn't finish well. I think earlier on in his career, you saw the defense playing a little bit better. DJ Durkin was a guy that I thought was a really good defensive coordinator during his time there, at least a position coach. But you haven't seen the total package, at least from my understanding and my covering of Florida recruiting since I've been doing this, is you have guys that are good coaches. They're, if, if you had to pick, is he a recruiter or is he a coach? You go with a coach. He's more of a strong a strong coach, X and O's guys. But I feel like Patrick Tony, if he builds up to the you know the billing he has of being one of those up and coming younger coaches that's really good and you know on the board at, at scheming and game planning, and he continues to recruit at the level he has, I think you've got a guy that since I've been covering Florida the first time that I've seen a defensive coordinator um, that has been so active on both facets. A guy that's going to be obviously very involved in the game planning, being a co-defensive coordinator, but a guy that's also going to get after it on the recruiting trail. I mean, this guy is literally. Every day seeing a kid, he's with Napier on all these visits. And again, it's recruiting time. That's whenever that's the busy season to do that. But you just see a guy that is just literally relentless at recruiting. And I think that that's really has been a surprise to me just because I wasn't sure what to expect coming in from him coming from some of these smaller schools. So that's been the biggest surprise to me so far on the staff. Well, and I was going to say, I think that goes back to sort of what Billy Napier has been preaching since he arrived is they build the infrastructure such that no coach kind of goes through burnout, right? And that's the problem is if you don't have that infrastructure, dude, recruiting is exhausting, right? And I think when you build the the staff behind those guys that are, like you said, everybody's involved on these visits, right? It's not like just one coach and then his one director of player personnel that's assigned to him that are working these prospects. You have an entire army of people that are kind of doing that. And I sort of think that's Billy Napier's approach kind of across the program. I mean, you you look at the walk-on program that he's talking about building where he wants to have 50 walk-ons. That's way more than most programs carry. You probably carry, I don't know, 20 to 35 maybe. Um, So 50 guys, that's a lot of guys. And I think you're already seeing Florida take some preferred walk-ons. They took a linebacker at a a Riverside High School in Jacksonville, Bryce Capers. Uh, A guy that's a three-star prospect, had other offers, could have gone elsewhere. Uh, But wants to stay in the state and, you know, had some military benefits he could take advantage of. All of a sudden, now you got a pretty talented guy that, that also loves Florida coming in. I think as you build build that out, what happens is you're creating connections everywhere. And those connections may not pay off immediately, but they can pay off in the long run. And I think you see that both with the staff hires that they're making as far as quality control guys that have ties to different areas in Orlando and in Jacksonville and, and all these places. Not only can they help you with what you're doing on the field and, and you know giving those assistant coaches more time to really focus on just the, the few things that they need to do, but you build connections to different high schools and everything. And, and I think, Blake, that's going to be one of the biggest advantages of this walk-on program is you're going to have connections everywhere, right? Like you're, you're building innate connections and pipelines to some of these schools. And people may not think that, you know, a preferred walk-on can have an impact on a four or five-star guy. But the reality is when you're playing in high school, man, you have teammates. And if they go and play in college, and, you know, you've got a guy that's a walk-on at Florida that maybe was a year ahead of you and you guys vibe in high school that, you know, you get on campus, that's an easy guy that you can connect with. And I think all those things are going to pay off like with Bryce Capers. You know, he played at uh, Trinity Christian Academy over in Jacksonville with Austin Barber. And as soon as he commits, you see Austin Barber go, man, teammates once again. I think all of those things are going to help play into that sort of big picture with Billy Napier that we're talking about where you sort of, if you do all the work, and the work starts to do itself in a certain sense. And I think we're starting to see that already with Florida. And I've got to say, that's that's a very positive change from the previous staff, in my opinion. Definitely is. That's a good point. 
All right, Blake, let's uh, quickly wrap it up here. What do we need to be looking for in recruiting over the next, uh, what do we got, a week and a half or so until National Signing Day? Just quick bullet points. What do we got? Uh, you know, Florida's going to have some official visitors on campus this weekend. It's the last uh, official visit weekend for Florida. Um, I've got the list already on the site, Swamp 24-7, with, uh, you know, guys expected in. Uh, today, starting on Wednesday and into Thursday, uh, Florida will be, be hosting four-star running back Trevante Citizen on an unofficial visit. Um, he'll be at Miami this weekend for an OV. He's recently taken visits to LSU and Auburn. I think that the two Tigers, you know, the LSU Tigers and the Auburn Tigers, are probably in a better spot for him at this point. This will be his first visit to Florida. We'll see if anything shakes out there. Um, so he'll be on campus this weekend. Um, I've got tons of stories already up on the site of where the coaches are at today, where they've been at, and I'll have more of where they're going to be at for the, you know, the coming days uh, coming up before that official visit weekend. Um, the uh, quiet period is what they call it on the recruiting trail, which means a recruit can visit someone at the school or they can still be on school if you're on an official visit or something. If you're there Saturday sure. into Sunday, you can, you don't, I mean, it's not like they're going to kick you out, like get out, you don't need to be here. Um, so you can be there on Sunday. Um, that'll be what they call the quiet period, which means you can have kids on campus, but coaches will not be on the road that Sunday. Following Monday, the dead period kicks in, which means no visits, whether it's, you know, an in-home, um, whether it's, you know, on the, on the school, on the campus, no visits. Uh, National Signing Day, February 2nd, so next Wednesday, you know, a week away from, from signing day. So we're, we're hitting that final countdown. Uh, Florida, I believe, has 15 verbal commits right now from the high school ranks. have added some transfers. Um, so spots are starting to get a little on the tighter side there. We'll see how attrition, obviously, that can change. You know, numbers, I always say, eventually they work, work themselves, themselves out, out. eventually. Yep. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, uh, we're hitting crunch time for this last week until signing day. All right, guys, well, you have it there. Blake, we'll keep you updated on Swamp247.com. So if you're interested in getting into recruiting, kind of liking the vibe under Billy Napier, be sure to check us out on Swamp247.com. We've run a little bit long today on the show, so that'll wrap it up for today. We look forward to hearing from you guys. Uh, let us know thoughts, comments on the show today. Drop them in the, uh, the comments section. Leave us a favorable review. Hit like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. We appreciate all the support, guys. That'll do it for today's episode of the Swamp 24-7 Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.